glory forever. Amen. If you'll join me now in taking your copy of God's Word, and we will turn together to our passage for this morning and for our week ahead. We find that in the Gospel of John, uh, John 13, verses 1 through 5. So we will turn together now to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And this sermon this morning comes this passage, our sermon this morning, uh, is going to bring us to the end of our, of our yearly series of what does God say about. We have been spending about the past month uh, focusing on asking that question. What does God say about the church? What does he say about uh, church membership? What does he say about church leadership? Because as followers of Christ, we want our minds and our hearts to be shaped by God and our understanding. We want to be shaped by him in our understanding of, of what the church is and the blessings of church membership and, and, and the, uh, the blessings of, of good church leadership. But we also want the good shepherd to lead us in this, to lead us in glorifying God and enjoying him in our interaction and practice of the church and church membership and church leadership. We want to know his truth so we can live by his truth. And so that brings us to this morning. We think through what does God say about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So as we prepare to take this meal together, we as followers of Christ want our hearts and minds shaped by God and how we understand this. We want the good shepherd to lead us and glorify him and enjoy him and how we choose to come before his sacrament this morning. And we pray that John 13, 1 through 5 will guide us in our discussion of that. So let's pray for God's blessings on that together. Father, we come to you now. We want to be your followers. We want to be your faithful sheep. We want to sit at the feet of our Lord and Savior in his word right now. So we may be good followers. We may be faithful sheep. Bless us in that. Oh, Father, bless us with your spirit this morning to guide our hearts, to guide our minds in this to open our ears, to soften our hearts, so we may hear from our Lord and Savior and be better for it. Bless us in this time, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. We will stand together now for the reading of God's word. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. I love you can be three of the most powerful, important and impactful words you will ever hear. To hear somebody else say to you, I love you. 
I was recently reading through the testimony of a family who had adopted a 10-year-old boy. And the relationship started with the family serving as a foster family. And they began to realize, we, we want this child, we want this boy to be our, to be our son. So that led them to the process of beginning to adopt him. And for a while, this boy would only call his parents by their first name. And the man wouldn't push it because he knew this boy had been abandoned by his birth parents. And by this point, had been abandoned by several other families as well. In this testimony, the man says this, I'll never forget the first time he called me dad. It was the day we went to court to finalize the, ado the adoption. It was all done. We were leaving the courtroom. And my son said to me, hey, dad, can we get lunch? I'm hungry. I was stunned and I was elated. It stopped me in my tracks. And I got down on one knee to hug to face him. And I said, of course we can. And I hugged him. And the boy responded, I love you, Dad. And I told him it was the best day of my life, and I loved him too. And he said, this is my best day as well. You can imagine that's a day that the father and his son will never forget because those three words were spoken to each other. I love you are three words that can be some of the most powerful important and impactful words you will ever hear. We can think maybe the first time our future spouse said those words to us and, and us to them. And maybe you hear a child say it to you and they actually mean it. And maybe remember hearing it from one last time from a loved one. We can think of times when somebody said it to us on a terrible day and those three words helped make the day better. And maybe we were having a really good day and those three words made that day even better. Three of the most powerful, important, and impactful words we may ever hear is someone saying to you, I love you. And one of the blessings we have as children of God is we get to hear God say that to us every time we go to his word. Dr. Billy Graham said, the Bible is God's love letter to us. And no matter where we open up to, we hear God say, I love you. Genesis and Revelation, all scriptures breathed out by God, and all scriptures make it known to you and known to me how much God loves you and me. And we can think of passages such as John 3:16, for God so loved the world. 1 John 4, 7 through 12, Romans 8, 35 through 39, what, and what will separate us from the love of God? Romans 5, 7 through 8, Psalm 36, 5 through 7. We can go through all sorts of scripture where God says very plainly and clearly to each of us who read it and hear it, I love you. We can think of how the Bible continually points us to the triumph of God's love for his people in and through the Son of his birth, of his life, of his suffering, of his death, of his resurrection, of his ascension. Every part of his life is God saying to his people, I love you. The covenant of grace that he's made with his people is a covenant made from a God who loves his people perfectly and eternally. And on occasions such as this, when we have the privilege of coming to the Lord's table, we get to visibly see God showing his love for us. It's an almost tangible way. It's why some people refer to communion as being the visible gospel. Because God loves you and me. Because he loves his people that the son's body was broken. That the son's blood was spilt. That the son went upon the cross 
for our sins, that the just un, that the just died for the unjust. The story of a missionary in Africa who shared the gospel one day with with a native. After he did, the native smiled big at him and he said, "He died, so I know die." At this table, as we're reminded of, isn't it? Reminded and encouraged and assured of how much God loves us. He loves us so much that he die, so you and I know die. And that's the love that John is spelling out in our passage this morning. It's interesting, John is the fourth gospel, but John doesn't detail the institution of Lord's Supper as the other three gospels do, as the other three gospels do. It may be that because the other three Gospels do such a good job at it, and he looks at it and says, you know, I'm going to look at this from another angle. And, and so he doesn't, he doesn't detail the institution, but he refers to everything else here. It's the Feast of the Passover. And what are they doing? They're having supper, and that supper is the Lord's Supper. So John, instead of emphasizing the institution of supper, which Matthew, Mark, and Luke have done a divinely wonderful job on, John here chooses to emphasize the love behind the supper. And did you notice that emphasis? Look, look again at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, this is coming up to the Lord's Supper, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So, so Jesus is, is, is loving his people perfectly. And he would never stop loving them. He would not stop loving them that night. He would never stop loving them. And it's from that perfect eternal love that John tells us that Jesus does two things. For the other three Gospels, he, he tells us that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And he instructs his followers that they are to observe it until he comes again. That they are to be routinely taught and reminded and assured of how much they are loved. And they are to do this routinely. I can't say it now. Somebody else say it for me. Routinely. Is that right? Routiny. Routinely. If anybody else has preached this morning, come on up. I'll just give you my notes and you can read them out. But they are to do this, we are to do this routinely until Jesus comes back. To be taught, reminded, and assured time and time again of how much we are loved. The other thing Jesus does at night in love is he washes the feet of his disciples. Now, we don't have to go into all the gross details to know that this was not a pleasant act. In fact, this was reserved for the lowest of servants to do. Think about that time. They didn't have closed toe shoes. They were open sandals. They walked everywhere. And they walked through dirt. They walked through mud. They walked through whatever animals and humans left in the way. So we can only imagine how dirty and nasty of a job that is. And what does John tell us? Here is God incarnate. God in the flesh. The second person of the Trinity. The one who knows that hell of the cross is coming and is preparing for it. And what does he do? He gets on his knees to wash off the filth of his disciples' feet. 
Why does he do that? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Because Jesus so loved his people, as he prepared for the cross, he instituted the Lord's Supper and he washed feet. He washed feet and he washed souls. So when John looks back on that night, what sticks back to him is the love of Jesus at work. Body broken, the cup passed, the feet washed, because Jesus is telling his, his followers, his disciples, I love you. And the showing that love was so powerful, so important, so impactful to them for the rest of their lives. That's why the Lord's Supper is recorded in some fashion and all four of the Gospels, when they look at this table, they see the table there because it's God saying, I love you. And it's why we come to the table, we come to this table so we can be reminded and assured that God says to each of us, to his people, I love you. Under this cloth are three trays of shortbread and three, great, three trays of juice that have been lovingly prepared by women in our church. But more lovingly is that in those common elements, God declares to us, I love you. My son's body broken. My son's blood spilt. And every person who faithfully comes to take this meal are to hear those same three words. I love you. At some point in each of my children's life, they've asked me how much I love them. I trust it's an innocent question and not a question of doubt because they don't know how much I love them. But if you ask me how much I love them, and the idea is to look for some you know, ridiculously high number or for me to stretch out my arms as far as they can go so I can signify to them, this is how much I love you, my child. And when we ask that question of God, he points to his son. He points to his son in the word. He points to the gospel accounts of Jesus. He points us to the covenant of grace that Jesus fulfilled for us. But he also points us to his table, to the bread and to the juice, to say to us, how much do I love you? This is how much I love you. The son's body broken. The son's blood spilt. Take Eat and drink of my, of my love. The just for the unjust. He die, so you know die. So God's word, Jesus, the covenant, this table, teaches, reminds, encourages, and assures us that there is no greater love than the love of the triumph of God known in and through Jesus Christ. Because what greater love is there that love that's willing to die for all your sins and sinfulness. What greater love is there than the perfect God willing to die for his enemies? And those are rhetorical questions because the answer is none. There's no greater, there's no better, there's more perfect love than the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we prepare as his people to come to his table, may we hear those words from the Father, from the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that your Heavenly Father, your Savior, your Lord, your elder brother, your comforter, your teacher, your guide, 
says to you this morning, I love you. Come and partake of this great love of you from the one who loves you most, who loves you best, who loves you eternally. Come and hear the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit say through these elements, I love you, and this is how much I love you. Let's pray together.